Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Captain's Log, the show devoted to discussions and insights into pop culture with an emphasis on cinema in the occasional themed episodes. This is your captain speaking, Jose Valle, and it's time for us to begin our transmission. Start date 2019 Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Captain's Log. Today, in celebration of my turning 20 this weekend, I decided to look back on a film that also turned 20 this year, a childhood favorite of mine, The Iron Giant. Before we get into that, however, uh, let me tell you about my week, because it was actually a pretty interesting week. Uh, so, uh, with the changes made to my program this year, we have a class called uh, a practicum class, which is essentially like real-world skills where you actually go and practice the thing that you're doing. It's sort of like an internship, but it's a class and you get a credit for it. So, previously this class was sports practicum and it was devoted specifically to sports broadcasting and that sort of thing, which I'm not the biggest fan of, so I didn't really care much for this class. With a change in... I don't know, management, you could say, the change in the direction of the program, this class was made into a more diverse class. We had the opportunity to do documentary filmmaking, uh, public relations, uh, radio, sports, and the team that I chose to be on, uh, virtual reality. Um, So this week we had a virtual reality team come visit campus from L.A., Los Angeles. And uh, they were here to work with the VR practicum team and other, any other students that came and helped. So Thursday was our first, my first day working with them. And we, so the, the, these guys are a multimedia company, so they do all sorts of things. They're breaking into VR because they think it's a really interesting thing. And it's about 10% of the stuff that they do, 10, 20%. So Thursday, we got together, uh, the VR team, and we came up with a creative concept for this video that would showcase the facilities on campus but but me being a filmmaker i wanted to approach it from a narrative uh storytelling perspective so with literally 30 minutes or less we came up with this whole grand idea and how it would work and the locations we would shoot and as we were on the scene i would come up with uh improv uh, improv dialogue for the actors to say so it was a lot of fun it was challenging it was something i would never done before but it just felt so good to be directing again, and I loved it. Anyway, that's what we did Thursday, and it was a blast. Um, then Friday they showed us the video, and it actually turned out a lot better than I expected, and they were super pleased with it, uh, and I was too, and it was a lot of fun. And then Friday uh, we finished out with them, and we just had played with more equipment, and at the end of it they told me to look them up when I'm in L.A. and that they would love the opportunity. They would love to stay in contact with me and the opportunity to work on more narrative uh, virtual reality storytelling or storytelling of any kind. So that was fun. Thursday night, though, my day is going great. It's the day before my birthday. My mom sends me this package, this care package full of snacks or whatever for my birthday. I go and pick it up. I drove my car to our uh, mail room. I'm picking it up. I pick it up. I go back to my car. I get in my car put it in reverse, go to shift into drive, it doesn't register the shift, right? So it's a big problem with the shifter. I won't get into the details. Basically, my car breaks down. I have to get it towed. So I had to 
get off work and my night is just ruined. I spent about three hours dealing with this whole thing, three, four hours. I get it towed. I'm without a car the whole weekend. And thankfully, now I got it back. And worst of all, I paid for a warranty when I got this car that would cover these sort of things. But I guess the one thing that the warranty doesn't cover was this specific problem and I had to pay 150 bucks to get it fixed, which to some of you might not be much, but I am literally broke. You know, that was all my money for until my next paycheck. So I am flat out broke. Like when, I think when, when, when college kids talk about how they don't have money, a lot of people are just like, oh, well, whatever. No, it's, it's tough. Me, I work two jobs and I, st- I still haven't paid, gotten paid for my second job, which I started. Um, about a month ago, but that's whatever. And my first job, they haven't even had me work in the last two weeks, which sucks. And even when I do work, the university pays so little that it's barely anything. So it's super fun. Um, and then the upside came though, that Friday I was able to just relax, go hang out with some buddies, have some fun. We had a great night celebrating my birthday and it was good. So I wanna thank everybody though that did wish me a happy birthday. Thanks to all of you guys. Um, and I want to thank, of course, the uh, uh, my buddy uh, Jaden Curtis. He stayed with me and helped me deal with all this car stuff while it was happening. So a big shout out to him. And of course, Marquise Knighton uh, for uh, letting me borrow his car. Marquise and Jaden are both friends of the podcast. And I'm hoping to have them on at some point. But they have previously worked with me on short films, uh, such as The uh, Stranger at the Crossroads, which is one of my favorites that we've done. So they were in that. They played Duke and Marcus. But anyway, so that was my week. <laughs> Super fun. It's kind of mixed, huh? Uh, but yeah, no other updates uh, this week on the short films yet. But I will say there is more content coming your way. I'm currently working on another short film concept that came to me. Um, and I'm planning on starting writing the script today and meeting with my uh Mason Trader, actually, friend of the podcast, Mason and I are going to get together and try to hash this thing out. Uh, And then we might possibly uh, have a real fun Halloween project that might or might not pan out. But if it does, oh boy, I'm really excited for it because it could be a lot of fun. Uh, But with that out of the way, let's catch up on the news, huh? Did you see the news that once again, Netflix will be returning to the Upside Down with Stranger Things 4, which was announced this week with a video that showed the logo decaying and the words, We're not in Hawkins anymore, appearing at the end followed by some chimes. The Duffer brothers have also begun renegotiating their deals with Netflix and are gearing up to produce more content and possibly a film for Netflix. I love Stranger Things. I'm really excited to see what what else is going to come. Uh, especially after that finale. Hopper's not dead. He's clearly the American of the Russians, but I'm I'm, I'm excited to see where they take it at this point. Uh, did you see the box office news? Apparently, Abominable has put Universal atop the weekend box office once again. Universal's release of DreamWorks Animation and Pearl Studios' animated title, Abominable, debuted with $20.85 million. While it doesn't say much for this year's slate of original animated titles, the performance does mark the largest opening for an original animated film in 2019, while joining Universal's Us and Good Boys as the only original films to open number one at the North American box office in 2019. With that being said, Abominable was made on a $75 million price tag, so it still has a lot of work to do, and with the Adams Family right around the corner, it has to hurry if it's going to make its money back. 
at least at the domestic box office. It has, however, received an A cinema score from opening day audiences and a 96% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. Did you see the news that Ruby Rose underwent emergency surgery after a stunt gone wrong while fam- filming the CW's Batwoman? Rose revealed that she underwent surgery several months ago when she herniated two discs while performing stunts for the show. According to the actress's graphic Instagram video post, the two discs were close to severing her spinal cord. The post itself documents Rose's surgery journey, including the initial incision that resulted in a Paz dispenser scar on her neck, as well as the ensuing surgery in all its entirety. Did you see the news that Mandalorian director Deborah Chow is set to wreck the Obi-Wan Kenobi Disney Plus series? The director, who already helmed part of Jon Favreau's The Mandalorian series, has been tapped to sit uh, in the director's chair for the uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi series, which will see Hugh and McGregor reprise his role as the iconic Jedi Master. McGregor confirmed the series was going forward during a surprise appearance at Disney's D23 fan convention in August. During the presentation, Lucasfilm president Kathleen Kennedy gave an update on the show's progress, saying that all the scripts are written and the series will start shooting next year. We really wanted to select a director who was able to explore both the quiet determination and rich mystique of Obi-Wan in a way that unfolds seamlessly into the Star Wars saga, Kennedy said of Chow's hiring in a statement. Based on her phenomenal work developing our characters in The Mandalorian, I'm absolutely confident Deborah is the right director to tell this story. The new series reportedly takes place eight years after the events of Revenge of the Sith, which ended with Kenobi beating his apprentice Anakin Skywalker in a dramatic duel on the fiery planet of Mustafar. I'm real, real excited for this. I have been wanting an Obi-Wan side project, solo film, whatever it be, for so long. One, because I love Ewan McGregor, and I love Ewan McGregor's take on the character, and I think there's so much to be explored with him. After Solo, there was reported that there was going to be an Obi-Wan film, and that was like the only one that I really cared about from the spinoffs. Because there was a great comic that came out which kind of detailed the stories, which I think was was their testing out the waters. Um, And then the spinoff films were canceled because Solo didn't do so good, and I was real pissed because the only one I cared about seeing was the Kenobi movie, and then it, it got shut down. And then they announced that they would have a show, and I was so damn excited and i'm so damn excited for this i haven't seen any of deborah chow's work but i'm sure it's gonna be phenomenal disney's putting so much effort and money into these that i doubt that they will produce something that's crap did you see the news that bumblebee director travis knight is set to helm the uncharted film starring tom holland according to deadline sony has worked out a deal to bring filmmaker travis knight on board to direct the upcoming uncharted film which is set to star holland as nathan drake The film is a bit of an Indiana Jones-style adventure film where Holland will play the young Drake, who is going to eventually become the treasure hunter that has been the focus of several popular PlayStation video games. Knight comes aboard to replace the departing Dan Trachtenberg, who left the project back in August. The film has lingered in development for years, with various filmmakers coming and going over that time, but according to the report, Sony and Holland worked together in the discussions about who would be best suited to lead the production for Uncharted, ending up with Knight as their choice. Um, I'm glad that there's an Uncharted movie being made. I love Uncharted. It's one of my favorite video game series of all time, and Nathan Drake is one of my favorite video game protagonists of all time. Uh, Uncharted form made me ball. You know, uh, there was talks for years to have Nathan Fillion star in it. 
I would have loved that. I would still take an, an Ethan Fillion Uncharted movie. There was actually a short film that he did uh, where he plays a character, Nathan Drake, in this little short film made by some fans. And it's it's a little thing, but he plays it so well. And I think if he got in shape and he actually took it all serious, he would fucking nail it. However, I'm also intrigued by the idea of a younger Drake starring Tom Holland. Um, and Travis Knight coming on board excites me a lot because I loved Bumblebee. I think, in my opinion, Bumblebee is the best Transformers movie to be made. I have sort of fond memories of and fond feelings towards the Transformer movies, at least the first three, directed by Michael Bay. Uh, but he killed that series. He killed that series with Age of Extinction, and some would say he killed it with the second movie. So that's done. I'm sorry if that if there's any diehard Michael Bay fans that listen to this, but I don't really like the guy, and I don't like what he did with Transformers. Bumblebee, however, was refreshing, and I feel like that should be the start-off point for a rebooted franchise. Uh, and, and, and so, anyway, Bumblebee was good. So to have Travis Knight be... Uh, on board with this really really excites me no release date has been confirmed but production on the uncharted film is actually scheduled to begin sometime in early 2020 this means that holland will be a very busy man in 2020 as he's likely to begin filming the untitled spider-man 3 sometime in the first half of the year as that film is already on the books for a july 2021 release which brings us to our last bit of news, and arguably the biggest news of the week, and the best birthday present a guy could receive. Yes, that's right. Spidey is staying home in the MCU. Yes, I'll let you go ahead and cheer and, and clap and celebrate. After their brief breakup, Sony and Marvel have found a way to get back together for the sake of their child, Peter Parker. On Friday, the two companies jointly announced, Friday, by the way, my birthday, that Marvel Studios and its president Kevin Feige will produce the third film in the Spider-Man Homecoming series. It will once again feature Tom Holland reprising his role as a titular hero. The rumor mill roared back to life this week with hints that the two companies were close to brokering a new agreement. Over the summer, news broke that Disney, Marvel's parent company, and Sony had reached an impasse over a new financing deal. Disney wanted the film to be financed on a 50-50 basis, with Feige remaining in a cons uh, consulting producer capacity. Sony is believed to have proposed keeping the arrangement under the current terms, which stipulate that Marvel receives about 5% of first dollar gross in all merchandising revenues. The new deal was signed late on Thursday night, and negotiations involved top players from both studios, including Sony Pictures chief Tom Rothman, Feige, and Walt Disney's Walt Disney Studio co-chairs Alan Horn and Alan Bergman. In exchange for lending Feige's producing prowess, Marvel and Disney will receive roughly 25% of the profits, according to insiders. Disney will retain its merchandising rights, and it will put up roughly a quarter of the financing. As part of the arrangement, Spider-Man will also appear in one future Marvel Studios film. The film is scheduled for release in July uh, 16, 2021. Amy Pascal will also produce through Pascal Pictures, as she has on the first two Holland-led films. I am thrilled that Spidey's journey in the MCU will continue, and I and all of us at Marvel Studios are very excited that we get to keep working on it, Feige said in a statement. Uh, Spider-Man 
is a powerful icon and hero whose story crosses all ages and audiences around the globe. He also happens to be the only hero with a superpower to cross cinematic universes. So as Sony continues to develop their own Spider-Verse, you never know what surprises the future might hold. Pascal was equally euphoric in her statement, saying, This is terrific. Peter Parker's story took a dramatic turn in Far From Home, and I could not be happier. We will all be working together as we see where his journey goes. We have had a great collaboration over the last four years, and our mutual desire to continue was equal to that of the many fans. Uh, Robert Lawson, Chief Communications Officer for Sony Pictures Entertainment, said, We are delighted to be moving forward together. <sighs> Look, when all this news broke that Sony and Marvel were parting ways and we were going to be in a Holland-less MCU, I was real bummed. I don't know if I talked about it on the podcast, but I was real, real bummed. I was so upset. So to see that they have come together to work out a deal, I'm so glad because I know that there's a lot of feelings and there's some diehard fans out there that think that Sony can do it without Marvel and Venom was this amazing movie that made so much money. And to that, I say, you're nuts and you're dumb. I, I, I love the Raimi films and I actually really like the Amazing Spider-Man films. That's because I like anything Spidey related. With that being said, I don't think Sony is good at making projects with the character or its side characters. Venom, for example, is horrible, horrible, horrible. It's a trash movie with with rushed plot, rushed character development. Uh, it's stupid setting up for a next universe and overall a horrible ending fight and, and an, an idiot of an antagonist. So... I'm glad to see that they realize that they really can do this with Marvel and are willing to work together with them to ensure a more creative future. And this statement by Kevin Feige saying that Spider-Man is the only one who can cross cinematic universes makes me think that eventually we might either see a live-action Spider-Verse or Sony's going to get their way and, Mar and Venom is going to be folded into the MCU. Which, whatever, if that's the sacrifice we have to make to have Holland and his version of Spider-Man in the MCU, then fine, I'm all for it, but... I'm glad that, that that Marvel has the reins once again. When I went and saw Spider-Man Homecoming and the Spider-Man theme played behind the Marvel Studios logo, I shed a tear. I'm not going to lie to you guys. I teared up because for me it was Spider-Man was finally home. It was his homecoming. He was back where he belonged, and it was just great. I know that there was, you know, uh, greed on both sides that led to this whole development, but I just think Spider-Man in the MCU is what's best for real Spider-Man fans. Anyway, enough said. Well, with your spirits obviously lifted, let me lift them all the way to the sky with these recommendations. Let's get into it. Alright, starting off, as always, with our songs. First off, we have Street Fighting Man by the Rolling Stones. I love the Rolling Stones, they're a great band. And Street Fighting Man is actually, I think this finishes out the recommendations that I have from Fantastic Mr. Fox, because this is also, also featured in Fantastic Mr. Fox, is a fun little song that's just so hype. 
you know, it's a weird kind of hype because it's not a, uh, a pop trap thing. It's, it's folk, it's folk indie beat at its best. And it's just this sort of, I don't know, I really love the beat and the melody of it. Uh, the lyrics are quite interesting. The Rolling Stones are just f- f- amazing. They're just amazing. So this, this song is, is, is a, a must listen to. And, uh, Especially, I don't know, I think it kind of adds to fall. I don't think it's necessarily a fall-ish song like the previous songs I've recommended, but it's a good song. I like it. I can, you know, I listen to this song when I go on drives, when I drive through canyons, through back roads, when, you know, when I go watch the sunset. It's good. I like the song. Secondly, this weekend I watched uh, a movie that's going to be recommended in a second, and uh, while I was listening to it, I was just reminded there's a little weird thing that I about me and that's that I love old-timey French music and I think that's that stems from my love of jazz music I love old-timey jazz and old-timey swing and so I I think I really like old French music because it reminds me of that sort of era but also it reminds me of old-timey movies you know Casablanca you know uh, your singing in the rain those kind of style genre of movies so the recommendation based on all that is La Vie en Rose by Edith Piaf. This is, I think this is one of the, it might be the original, one of the very first versions of the song that was recorded. She has such a beautiful voice. It's all in French, so you might not enjoy it, but she has such a beautiful voice and the melody is so old-timey and I just, I get lost in it every time, you know. A beautiful song. Every time I listen to it, I'm transported to a different place, you know, and I just, this is one of my, definitely one of, one of the songs that's on my calming playlist, you know, just sort of takes me away and it's great if you're a lover of these sort of old-timey music then this is definitely for you go check it out next up is a podcast that i think i mentioned last week i might not have said it by name but it's called david tennant does a podcast for those of you that don't know who david tennant is david tennant is a scottish actor uh, he is are in my opinion most famous for his role as the 10th doctor in the british sci-fi series doctor who but he has gone on to enjoy great success, both in America and uh, over the pond in England. He also played Kilgrave in Jessica Jones. He is currently Scrooge McDuck on the new uh, iteration of DuckTales. And he's just a really cool guy. So we started this podcast where he talks to his celebrity friends. Uh, and he talks to them about their life and about the industry and that kind of stuff. And it's just really, really well done. One, he's amazing. I love his original Scottish accent. It's brilliant. But he asks pretty good questions. And he really puts these celebrities in a vulnerable position where they really just they tell you things that you didn't even know. Like, I didn't know half the things I've learned about these celebrities. And I, for the most part, spend my time looking these things up. Let me just pull up a list here of the... Uh, the, episode, the people that he's done. He had Michael Sheen, Tina Fey, Samantha Bee, James Corden, uh, Kristen Ritter, Catherine Tate, Jennifer Gardner, Gordon Brown, John Hamm, Ian McKellen, Jodie Whittaker, Whoopi Goldberg, Olivia Coleman, And, oh, it's just such a good podcast. I definitely recommend you listen to it if you're sort of intrigued by this this other side of celebrity and, and, and fame. All right, so this is the, the movie that I alluded to earlier, and I watched this weekend because it was my birthday, and so I watched my one of my favorite movies of all time, and I think I've talked about it before. It's my favorite Pixar movie, and that is Ratatouille. Ratatouille is just excellent. It's, it's an absolute just 
chef's kiss of a movie uh, from the score, which was ma- which is uh, done by Michael Giacchino, which is uh, bloody amazing. The man seems to be able to understand the music of all cultures and then nail it. It's insane. To the voice acting, uh, Patton Oswalt as Remy is just incredible. He fits the role so perfectly. To the story of of humble beginnings, of humble beginnings not stopping someone from accomplishing their dreams, and the fact that a great artist, a great cook, a great anything can come from anything, including a you know a rat. And it's it's a silly idea, but at the end of the day, it's telling you that you're. And it kind of goes with what we're talking about this week, but it's telling you that you should not let your beginning, your your consequences of your birth, define who you're gonna be. It's a great movie, and and for the for the young longest time growing up, I was super into culinary stuff, so I loved loved watching this movie. If you don't like Ratatouille, I feel real bad for you because one, it means you don't have good movie taste, and two, it means that there's a little bit of sadness in your life, and three, kind of means you're a little dumb because Ratatouille is bloody amazing and everyone should check it out i'm not going to say more about it come on it's ratatouille check it out and last as the seasons begin to change and the night begins to get spookier and spookier with the coldness and the chills approaching from the north and the fog coming from the ground look guys october's coming it's spooky time so the last recommendation is a spooky thing it's a television series based on a uh classic series of slasher films and that is scream the tv series but i'm only recommending season one and season two do not watch season three it's not even really connected to the first two seasons and it's absolute garbage i just finished it it's a horrible horrible attempt to quote revitalize the 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 show it's fucking garbage some of the worst storytelling i've seen on tv horrible anyway Scream, the TV series, seasons one and two, is a new take on this idea of Scream. It's very not Scream in a way because it's a new killer. It's a different killer. Uh, it's a different mask. Uh, but at the same time, the rules of the original Scream are still there. The, you know, the sort of rules of your horror movie, your slasher movies, uh, of how the characters behave and act, the twist. And it's honestly some some of... It's really good writing, and it keeps you on the edge of your seat trying to figure out who the killer is. And when it's revealed, you're like, what? And then when the other killer is revealed in season two, you're like, what? And it's good. If you like slasher films, if you like sort of mystery uh, television or mystery movies, whodunits, and if you like sort of, I'd say if you like kind of soapy TV drama, teen drama, then you'll like this. There's some of it, but not a lot. Uh, And if you just really like... I don't know, it's real good. If you're looking for another show to watch around this time to kind of, that's not too scary, but it's still kind of that feeling of the the time of the year, then I definitely recommend Scream, the TV series, season one and two. Uh, while it doesn't include the voice acting of Roger Jackson, who did, who was the original killer in uh, in Scream, the in the movies, the voice of the killer, you know, the, the classic. Like scary movies? Uh-huh. What's your favorite scary movie? Yeah, it does have a new guy doing the voice who I actually liked a lot, and he's pretty good. What you should really be asking is, did you just lock me in or out? And yeah, it's just good. It's just good. Check it out. Great theme, too. Great theme. And that's all the recommendations I have. Let's get into tonight's topic, The Iron Giant. 
In this animated adaption of Ted Hughes' Cold War fable, a giant alien robot, Vin Diesel, crash lands near the small town of Rockwell, Maine in 1957. Exploring the area, a local nine-year-old boy, Hogarth, discovers the robot and soon forms an unlikely friendship with him. When a paranoid government agent, Kent Mansley, becomes determined to destroy the robot, Hogarth and beatnik Dean McCoppin, Harry Connick Jr., must do what they can to save the misunderstood machine. This is one of my favorite animated movies, and it takes me way back to my early childhood. And like me, it turned 20 years old this year, as it premiered in July 31st of 1999. So let's get into it. I very much uh, enjoy the sonar noise, the sort of sonar alieny noise at the beginning of the logos, because it's very reminiscent. And this, along with the with how the music thunders with the title, they're both very reminiscent of the old timey serials and movie that Bird most likely grew up with, post atomic age that depicted the atomic age. You know, your Godzilla's, your it came from outer space, the thing that sort of those sort of stories. So I really like that uh, a lot of that, those homages and hints can be found in this. Uh, possibly Hollywood's best last 2D animated movie. Uh, at the very least, in my opinion, it's one of my favorite movies as a kid. And I, I really like that diner. The design of that diner is real good. It's 2D animation, so you you might have to you know, reach back into your nostalgia to really appreciate this film. But the the diner is really well constructed. I love the little background noises that are happening in it. I don't know. It's just real cool details thrown in by the production team. Uh, I think it's a, a it's a, that diner scene also serves as a great introduction to Hogarth and Dean. It introduces Hogarth as this little troubling little rascal of a kid, and Dean is this very sort of suave, devil may care kind of character. And it hints at what eventually comes. Uh, the relationship that forms between Dean and uh, Hogarth's mother. I love the animation in this. It's uh, very well done, and it's very reminiscent of Saturday morning cartoons that I grew up with. Uh, man, Hogarth snacking and watching the movie while he's uh, home alone, it takes me way back to the nights my parents both worked and I would do the same. I'd pop in an animated movie or I'd pop in a Harry Potter movie, and I would just make some popcorn and just sit in front of the TV and fall asleep on the couch until my parents came home. It just, it takes me back. Hogarth's little uh, suit-up scene is great uh, because it lets you know what kind of a person Hogarth is, but also the kind of environment that they're in. And the movie wants to really nail that this is uh, a real tough time for Americans, especially the comic that's laying around uh, where it says the Red Menace. It's the Cold War with the scare of the Russians on everyone's mind. This is the height of that atomic age fear that nuclear holocaust would happen at any time. Interesting introduction to the giant. At first he's sort of set up as this very menacing figure, but his interaction with the power plant shows how naive he really is and how very childlike he is. Horgarth going back to help the giant uh, once he hears his screams is a very defining uh, key moment for the character because it shows us that he's a real kind-hearted kid. Even though he's terrified, scared of this thing, he still doesn't want it to be in pain and he turns back to help it. Horgarth's mom can, uh... She can get it. And I know that's weird because she's a cartoon character, but, uh... She can get it. Again, the classroom scene serves to remind us of the constant state of fear the citizens of this town are in. Also interesting that the teacher tells Hogarth to be quiet, assuming that he's the one causing trouble. This sort of suggests that Hogarth 
might constantly be getting in trouble, or at least he's perceived that way, which kind of goes, which kind of makes sense with a rant that he tells later on at Dean's place. God, right away you get the idea that Mansley is just an asshole, uh, especially when he says the thing about big things only happening in big places, which is why I love that his car gets eaten by the giant. I love how when Hogarth runs into the giant again, we're meant to think he's going to be this menacing towering scary figure but again he's actually just super childlike and he just is intrigued by Hogarth and he's thankful that he saved him Vin Diesel is perfect as a giant this and Groot are his greatest performances yep I said that oh man that train scene you really start to feel the uh, intensity of the situation as the train gets closer and closer it reminded me a lot of uh, sort of the buildup that is found in Super 8 with that train scene and uh, kind of similar outcomes I really like that the giant is able to fix himself, also foreshadowing. Uh, there's some foreshadowing with a shot lingering on the one bolt, which, as we know, comes to play later on in the movie. Uh, I love Hogarth saying grace while he's trying to shoot out the hand. It's just hilarious because he goes on this whole thing where he's, it sounds like he's super spiritual, but he's just, uh, it's good. Stop! The, uh, the devil! From doing bad things. And, uh, get out of here! Uh, Satan. I like that there are swears, cuss words, curse words, you know, in this movie because uh, this movie took the family genre serious and it actually made a, a point of telling a story with depth to it. Again, I like the subtle hints through the comic books. While Hogarth is trying to convince the giant that he is like Superman, the giant lingers on the comic of Atomo, the destructive metal man, because that is what his programming is telling him to do, to destroy. I love that the giant just chucks the car to get rid of the, the noise. I, that's a great scene. I love that scene. Uh, I really like Hogarth's little rant when he's on coffee. Again, it ties back to the earlier thing about his teacher thinking he's always the one causing trouble and how he's he's sort of upset that he's perceived in this bad way. Um, and it really gives us a, a, a big insight into this character. I love the scene uh, of Mansley uh, trying to get something out of Hogarth, and he calls him uh, all these names. Hey, cowboy. Hey, kiddo. Hey, hey, sport. Hey, chief. Hey, this. It's 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 really good. I love it. The, the score to this movie, again, it's pretty good. Uh, it's one of those scores where a, rather than build emotion, it plays to the scene, which I think those there are two different types of scores, but I really like this. I think it adds to the scene rather than, than creating something that is upcoming, if that makes sense. Uh, Jennifer Aniston is Hogarth's mom. I had no idea. I had no idea. And that's probably why I think she can get it. Jennifer Aniston could get it so hard when she was Rachel, and she can still get it today. As crazy as Mansley is, for a little bit, you can kind of understand him, especially in that diner scene with uh, Hogarth. He's just a patriot. He's a crazy, ambitious patriot. But at the end of the day... He's just trying to keep his country safe, or at least that's what he wants himself. He wants other people to believe, and maybe he's trying to convince himself of that. I don't know. The, that cannonball scene is hilarious. I love how Dean gets swept away and ends up in the middle of the road, and the guy's like, hey, you're in the middle of the road, and he's like, yeah. And then he's like, you got to move. Yeah. All right. And then he just leaves. It's, it's great. 
Uh, I really love uh, that Dean is always wearing his turtleneck, even underneath his sunshirt. I aspire to have a sense of fashion. Uh, hell of a guy. I really love how the more time he spends with Hogarth, the giant really starts to appreciate the world around him. The scene where the giant starts to comprehend death is especially moving. The score and the imagery help add to it. Uh, wow, for a kid, Hogarth uh, has a grip and understanding of death, and that scene where he explains it to the giant gets me every time. Mansley is super unhinged. Uh, he interrogated and drugged a child. Man is crazy. Forget everything I said about understanding him. Fuck that asshole. Oh man, that scene where the uh, the giant discovers his destructive defense capabilities, and he sort of is is so shocked that he did that, and he says, "I'm not a gun." Oh man, it gets me every time, because this the movie sort of hinting at this idea that it's trying to tell us, and we'll get to that. But yeah, it's interesting that the way he is first introduced to the townspeople is actually in a friendly way, and they're not afraid of him so much as they are intrigued of him. It's sort of a flipping of the genre on his head, which doesn't, you know, be, based on the movies that this is inspired by, it doesn't really occur that much in, the, in those movies or those serials or stories. And of course, as always, the U.S. military has to shoot first and ask questions later, because that's what's so great about America, baby. <laughs> Uh, man, that Mansley's a real piece of shit. He lied and willingly put a child in the line of danger. Man is an asshole. God, that shot of the giant ascending as Hogarth's mother gets out of the truck is fucking just superb. It is... It gave me a cinema hard-on, if that makes sense. Ugh. Chef's kiss. Man, when the giant thinks Hogarth is dead... Uh, and he begins to cry. Yeah, a, gi a robot crying. It's so heartfelt and uh, touching. And it gives you a really interesting insight to the giant. He's developing emotions. Uh, so when the giant finally goes apeshit on the military, the imagery there is super reminiscent of Atomic Age monster movies, and it's such a spectacular action sequence. I love it. Uh, everything from his design to the lasers to the moving of the vehicles, it just, yeah, it's very reminiscent of those post-atomic age uh, monster movies, your Godzillas, your, uh, um, yeah, just that kind of thing. It's so interesting to see how alarmed the robot is after Hogarth talks him down. He's just so full of emotion because he can't believe that he allowed himself to get to this point. Because, again, this is sort of the whole point of this movie that it's trying to teach us that regardless of where we come from, that's not going to be our defining characteristic if we don't want it to be. And the robot this whole time is going on this journey of trying to not be a gun, not be a death machine, but be something else, be a Superman. Um, so when he comes down, he can't believe that he allowed himself to do this. No, wait, it's me! Guns kill, and you don't have to be a gun. You are what you choose to be. You choose. Choose. Again, Mansley is so fucking unhinged and ultimately is not a patriot, but a coward and a madman. 
everyone's fear of nuclear annihilation ultimately almost came at the hands of its own military, which is irony at its finest. I bawl every time the giant sacrifices himself, and Hogarth's word words echo in his mind before he makes his choice of the person he wants to be, Superman. You are who you choose to be. It's just a beautiful, beautiful ending. And those last, whatever, five, ten minutes, I'm always crying like a baby And at that time. It's just a beautiful movie that manages to appeal to children and adults both. It tries and succeeds to operate on multiple levels at all times. A simple and powerful movie about a boy and his new friend And at its core, this movie teaches us about the dangers of war, the importance of kindness, and that ultimately we decide the person we are, not our circumstances, origins, or designs, but ourselves, our choice. It's our choice. And with that, it's time to wrap the show up. If you like the show, make sure to leave a five-star review, which you can do in-app. I'd really appreciate it, plus it really helps the show, and I'll read your reviews on the show. You can support the show by going to patreon.com slash captainslogcast and donate a dollar. Anything helps keep the light, lights on. And remember, if you donate, it all goes towards improving the show, getting better recording equipment, and it helps with my other creative endeavors, for example, my short films. And of course, if you donate, not only will you receive access to early content, but you will also get a shout-out on the show on the short films, and it's a great opportunity, especially if you're a business. Uh, I'm going to be, we're getting, I don't want to boast uh, on anything, but we are getting more and more listeners on the show. Uh, We are going to be submitting the short films that I've been producing and directing and creating to short film contests, which might serve as an opportunity for you to get your name out there if you're a business. So just a consideration. And again, I really, really appreciate any sort of donation. You can follow me on Instagram at j.via underscore and the show on Twitter at Captain's Log Pod, as well as subscribe on YouTube where you can find me as Jose Valle. Make sure you tell your friends and family about the show if you enjoy it, and make sure to write into captainslogcast at gmail.com with suggestions on episode topics, guests you'd like to have back, or recommendations for Check This Out. Again, I'm actually planning something real fun for the October episodes, so if you could write in with your favorite horror movie or movie that you always watch around Halloween time, I would really, 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 really appreciate it. Uh, You can do that to the email if you'd like. You can DM me on Instagram. You can reply to the show. You can, uh, you know, uh, uh, tweet at the show. Whatever's easiest for you. Uh, make sure to subscribe and download on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play, and any other podcast directory. With that, everybody, we have reached the end of our show. Tune in next week at the same time and on the same frequency for another episode. I've been your Captain Jose Valle, and this has been Captain's Log. End of transmission. Transmission.